Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Trish. And this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as oh, you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. I think that was mine. Hi, 50 Ishers. It's Mel and Trish. Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and just don't give a 50 like us. So Don't Give a 50 listener, Di, left us an awesome review saying, I love this new podcast. These girls are my vibe. I'm always going on about how middle-aged women shouldn't give up on their dreams or their goals. This is a time for thriving, not just surviving. I'm so excited that this podcast has started. It's exactly what's needed. Congratulations, girls. Di, I know. So 50 and grateful. Yeah, 50 and- <laughs> Trisha and I are a bit delirious. <laughs> and now, we're just getting started. Yeah. Look, and if you feel like it, jump on and leave us a review and a rating. Good girl. Five stars. We really appreciate it. It actually helps us immensely behind the scenes. It's not just us being needy. <laughs> not saying that I, we don't get that way at times, of course. Nor is it at us just shamelessly asking for compliments for our own egos. <laughs> Promise. It's neither of those. It is something that I really don't feel comfortable asking for, but hey, you've got to do what we, you've got to do. Dave says we have to. Yeah. <laughs> it's important in podcast land. So today we are speaking to a gorgeous girl who back in the day, like 80s and 90s, was a model. So our generation model. So she was on the cover of Dolly magazine. That was the big one that I remember, Trish, but also Cosmopolitan. You know, just Cleo. fun fact, mm-hmm. I actually had a mum knitted me out of Dolly magazine a jumper, a big black jumper with a red D on it. How cool is that? Actually, one of the knitting patterns from the back of the magazine. 
Anyway, I digress. Let's get back to Are it. you serious? Yeah, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. She's blondie. She's a clever right. girl, isn't she? Very clever. She's very, very clever. So we are speaking to Alison Bray Daddo, the gorgeous girl who married heartthrob actor and TV presenter Cameron Daddo. So let's face it, if you didn't, we certainly had a friend who lusted after one of the Daddo brothers during the <laughs> 80s and 90s, that's for sure. He's still quite a catch. And we loved him in a recent release Australian movie, How to Please a Woman. He was yes. a great character. He was an important character. Bit of a character. dick in that movie. Mm, bit of a dick. Bit of a dick. In but real life, sounds yeah. very he charming does. and Yeah, sweet. absolutely. But his character was important in the movie, yes. wasn't it? But so, today is mm. all about... His, His lovely wife, wife. Alison Bray-Daddo. Ali was a household name and a loved national treasure. As an outsider looking in, it all looked pretty good. Ali and Cameron moved to America. Over the years, we've had the good as well as the trials and tribulations of their lives updated to us by the media. And just like the rest of us, Alison's all grown up now and in her 50s, which is amazing. She's part of our 50-ish tribe and we love that. Yes, we do love that. But there's so much more to Alison than you may realise. She's a mother a screenwriter, a podcaster, teacher and an author. She has an incredible journey, some amazing highs and some really incredibly challenging lows. And one of her most recent challenges was going through menopause, which set Alison on her amazing journey of self-discovery. So she generously shares her story and experience in her new book, Queen Menopause, Finding Your Majesty in the Mayhem. And ladies, you're going to love this chat with Ali because she is just so 50 and lovely. Mm, She's such a nice person. It's just awesome, isn't it? Is it? Awesome. When you when you do grow up with these women who were in the spotlight, they were high profile when we were all young. Yeah, I think we and were then, all a bit starstruck by yeah, them. Yeah, and you fast forward 30 years and you're actually meeting them and they're just such lovely, wholesome, genuine people. Grounded. Yeah, so grounded. Yeah, great chat. Enjoy. Alison, <laughs> or may we call you Ali? Yes, indeed, you may. <laughs> Thank you. I've been listening to your audio book and, and some podcasts, so I feel like we're already friends, so mm. that's excellent. <laughs> Mel's a little bit jealous, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're so honoured and so thrilled. thrilled to be able to chat with you today. Thank you for making some time free for us. Yeah, thanks, Ali. And our humble little potty. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Congratulations on your book. And I have to say thank you. It was such an amazing read or I must say amazing listen listen to because I um, Mm. listened to the audio version. You told your whole story so incredibly honesty and the book itself, it's not just about your journey through menopause. and It's an extremely generous insight into your whole life, your innermost thoughts, feelings, who you once were, what you experienced, lived, where you are at in life right now, and how the mayhem of perimenopause hit yeah. and led you down a path of revelations and discovery. Also, what I like is that you shine a light at the end of the tunnel that is menopause. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. Thank so goodness raw. knows, don't we need that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We so do. raw, vulnerable and truthful. So well done. Yeah. But you. Ali, your Thank face you. is so familiar to so many of us and I know your backstory because I've just read it, listened to it. 
<laughs> but not all of us do. How did you go from being a normal teenager to becoming a household name whose face regularly appeared on the cover of our much-loved and, you know, basically our Bibles to live by back in the day, Cosmopolitan, Clio and Dolly magazines? Yeah, look, I was <clears throat> I was literally like the the cliche story of discovered at a party there was a there was a mutual friend who happened to be doing I'm trying to remember if she was doing work experience with Dolly or she was she was actually working there permanently I can't remember that part but she was working at Dolly magazine and she goes you know you'd actually be quite good for Dolly do you want to sort of have you ever thought about modeling and actually my middle sister, I'm, I'm one of three, my middle sister did it for a hot second. She was always the beautiful one. Oh. I was always like the weird looking one with the gap between my teeth and the crazy hair. So the middle one was always the touted as the beautiful sister. Mm-hmm. So she did it for, a, yeah, as I said, for a very brief moment. So I never even thought it was possible for me. And, and then when this girl said, do you want to try? And I was like, Sure. Why not? So she actually made the appointment at the modeling agency and in I went with my one photograph. Um, <laughs> that you got my year, d- developed at the chemist. <laughs> that I got developed at the chemist. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I went in and they went, okay, well, let's just give you a whirl and uh, can you go off to Grace? Remember Grace Brothers, lady? Yes. Grace Brothers, yep. Yeah. Went up to Grace Brothers casting call and I booked the job. Wow, and that was the that was the beginning of it all. Yeah, snowballed from and just there. took off from there. It was pretty like it wasn't immediate, but I mean it was immediate the work, but it wasn't sort of oh um, immediately on the covers of everything. Mm. That that took a little bit, a little bit longer. How did you get your head around that? Like walking down the street and seeing you know the the news agents with Dolly magazines and whatever, and with you being on the front. What was it like being you in the nineties well, in that yeah. time? Yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was it's as exciting to see Dolly. Ma- I mean, I was a Dolly magazine girl same, fan as well. Same, you know, like mm. I just couldn't wait for it to come out. <laughs> I admired every girl on the cover. Yeah. You know, I would follow the the, the Dolly. Um, what was that competition? The Dolly Cover Girl competition. Oh yes, like, yes, like crazy. I thought it was just the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. Um. So, and of course, being at the age I was, that was. It, that was the magazine. I mean, it you was. know, the Cosmo covers and, and the Clear covers, which I did later. I was a bit older once I got to that point. But <laughs> at the age I was at, that was the be-all and end-all magazine. So I do remember that moment because I don't think they do it anymore where they'd have like a bigger bigger magazine cover and they'd put it in like a wire mesh cage. That's, that's yeah. what I'm Outside. thinking. Yeah. That's my visual. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the cage exactly cage. and uh there I was this yeah. one day in uh right where my dad used to live and drove by and I was like oh my god hold on back up that's me <laughs> so it was very exciting it yeah. was really very very exciting yeah. yeah absolutely I'm sure it was such an exciting and very glamorous time and a lot of great opportunities but we all know that the modeling scene can have its pitfalls as well there's so many impressionable girls and it's such an impressionable age competition comparison mm. potentially a predator's paradise the mm. pressure to look a certain way how how did you cope with the not so glamorous side of the industry Are there any long-term side effects Look, I, I think the funny thing was is that I really didn't, I kept my, 
naivete for a very long time around modeling in, in so many ways that I actually didn't really understand a, how somewhat famous I had become. Like I really did not understand that. I wasn't part of the modeling scene. I just lived in, you know, I lived at home with, with my sisters and my mum and dad and kept all the same school friends and yep. was just as insecure, uh, you know, going into modeling as I was as a model. Like that never changed. Yeah. I never became more confident. Experiencing still all very the stuff insecure. we were. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's still, still worried about, you know, pimples on my face and, yep. you know, if I had a boyfriend or not and, you know, all those those same things. So, yeah, I didn't... I never felt, yeah, I never felt special or anything in in it at all, you know, and I I think that it is a, it can be a tricky industry, particularly as an insecure girl, like that's, Mm. which is, as I say, that was me, because what became very clear over and over and over again was that, you know, your importance was about what you looked like. It wasn't about how you felt or what you thought or anything to do with that at all. So it was very much an externalized, you know, hero worshiping in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's, that can be, you know, you're dealing with so much anyway, as a, as a young girl, you know, you're dealing with everything that comes up with that, with the pimples, with the, you know, am I likable, you know, is my boyfriend (laughs) cheating on me or whatever, the hormones, you name it, you know, so you're dealing with all that anyway. Um, so yeah, look, I, I didn't, I didn't understand a lot of it at the time, but as far as lasting effects, there were many, mm. there were many. And, 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 and not that I even realized actually, because I, I had a lot of, I wasn't comfortable in the public eye at that age. I was very, very uncomfortable and somewhat shy in a lot of ways. So I didn't like being recognized out on the street when I was younger. I, you know, when I moved to LA, being able to sit in a, in the public eye and eat my lunch was just a revelation yeah. because of course I'm married to Cameron Dado, yep. so he had his whole other legion of fan club that was much bigger than mine. Yes. So the two of us together was quite the stir. Yeah. So you know, getting to LA and feeling the pressure of not having eyes on me was really, really great. And so I didn't even talk about modeling much. Once I quit mm. in LA, which was pretty quick after I moved, mm. once, once I quit, I, I, I didn't look back. I was very, yeah. very happy to be free of it. I felt like a real weight had come off my shoulders. Yeah. So yeah. that's part of your personality, it sounds like as well, that you were never really going to be affected by it in the sense that you weren't going to take it on board or start taking yourself too seriously. I imagine having two sisters may have helped as well to keep. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. Yeah, You're so right. Grounded. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause the two of them, I mean, yeah, they, you know, they, they would rip me on all sorts of things with like, oh, your hair's gross and yeah. you've got these big crazy eyes and these long <laughs> fingers. And yeah, she used to, I just had so brutal. much shit from her. Oh, she <laughs> was brutal. brutal. It's nothing like siblings to really keep you. Oh, no, in check. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally, so there was no chance totally. whatsoever of anything like that actually going to your head, <laughs> yep, so to speak. Yep. <sighs> Um, Ali, you talk in your book very openly and share your story of a sexual assault in Japan. And, and Trish and I are really, really sorry to to hear about that and to read that. It's really disturbing and, and upsetting as women to read these sorts of stories. And Trish and I were talking before about it's all too often the internal narrative after a sexual assault involves 
involves the victim searching for or assuming some sort of blame. So, and even mm. in this generation. So, how does that make you feel now? In what in what way? The how does the assault makes me feel now, or the the even victim the blaming? Assault or? As, as such, but also that that same rhetoric around assault victims, the blame going in turn oh. to yeah. try and find right what it was that they did when it was nothing that they did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so painful and it, and, and I don't know how that's going to change. Unfortunately, I think that's mm. something, I mean, you know, look, the more people that speak about it, I think the better it is, which yep. is why I, I had never spoken about it before, but I did want to put it in the book. Yeah. Look, I think it's, I, I, I think it's such a tricky one because it's exactly what we do. We internalize it. What did, how did I, yeah. what did I do? You know, especially if, especially if, you know, there's words spoken like, yeah, well, you asked for it. Mm. Look at what you're wearing mm. or you were drunk. Mm. You know, you asked for it. You were flirting with me. Like all of oh, that yeah. language oh, that we get so as, as girls and as women. Oh. It's so bad. Mm. It's so bad. Yep. Uh, you know, look, I feel like there is a bit of a change that's happened with the Me Too movement. Yes. And, you know, we're learning a lot more about consent. Yep. Um, and I think that that is, you know, getting consent talked about in in high schools or even earlier is incredibly important so we're raising our boys yeah. to understand what that means exactly you know the, a lot of the focus has been on what the girl needs to do yep. and it's like actually no it's what the boys need yeah. to do yeah so um, true. they need to be taught they do I agree. Ali, my son is at a school in Brisbane and I think it was just last week or the week before they had a big session on consent, etc. So mm. they're bringing it into the schools, the boys' schools, etc. So that is just such a, a positive mm. step forward. Is it going to fix it? Yeah. No, but it can't hurt. Yeah. yeah. Ali, did you feel sort of, I mean, I don't really want to use, use the word empowered, but did you feel some sense of empowerment to write about it given the Me Too mo- um, movement has so much momentum now and we are talking yeah, about this topic a lot more? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I wasn't afraid at all to yeah. write about it, that's for sure. I felt very, you know, and I, I had a girlfriend who, who read the piece and she said, are you sure you want to expose this? And I said, yeah, I feel really, really strongly about it because mm-hmm. it's not something that, you know, I did a lot of therapy in America. I pulled it apart and put it back together again and understood where I was in the story of that rape. Yep. And so once I was there with it and I could just heal from the place of, yes, I was a victim. This this was nothing to do with anything, how I brought this upon myself. Mm. And so once I sort of unlocked it from its cage that I had it in, it was very freeing during that time of, of therapy. So I felt really really okay and really fine to talk about it and to write about it. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, from that I gather that through the therapy that there's absolutely and as there shouldn't be any shame attached at all. It was something that happened to you yeah. that mm. you had no control over. That was their story. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Now on a lighter note, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned before your Funky husband Cameron. Now that's <laughs> such a that's such yeah. a nineties uh, term, eighties term. Spunk. It's, spunk. it's such a spunk. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Hot, well, we all hot. get it. I've just been watching. There's a new show on net um, on Stan um, 
how I learned about love or something like that. And oh, it's an English it's show. Fabulous. It's so good. Oh. But the English ladies call it fit. Oh, he's so fit. You're so fit. Oh, really? You're so fit. Um, he's so fit. And Ellie. we just said spunk. And that's such a generational thing, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? We all know. It is. We all know it what is. we're talking about when we say someone was a spunk. So you. But it would be a terrible word to use, actually, if you, if for any English listeners, because that's a whole other word. Yeah, exactly. You married the hot heartthrob, very attractive. Yeah, safe. Yes. Cameron Dado. I mean, really, you two were such a high profile, adored couple in Australia in the uh, in the nineties. How did you two meet? What was that like? That part of your life was it the the fairy tale that we all looked in eyes lock across yeah. a room? <laughs> yeah, it kind of was in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a there's a you know a story, a very famous story, of course, that's well famous in in small communities um, <laughs> about how and a true story that I I was about sixteen and I used to watch Cam on Perfect Match all the time and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fell fell in love with him as a, only a sixteen year old girl can do with it with a TV celebrity. Was <laughs> um, there posters on your um, walls, Ali? Was there posters yeah. on your walls? It wasn't. There wasn't. I didn't have a poster, but I I was sure to be tuning in every yeah. day for Perfect Match for Cameron Dado. Yeah, I just thought he was so gorgeous, but from from this level of like this goofy kind guy that mm. I always said the way he handled people's awkwardness on the show like when they stumbled over words and he would just be really kind to them I felt like I hadn't seen that on TV before he didn't mm. make fun of anyone because he's a he's a kid that was a, a chronic stutterer so he, he has a lot of empathy for people okay, in right. awkward situations mm. so I sort of fell in love with the whole package yes. in, in a lot of ways and I just remember I said to my sister I'm going to marry that guy one day which was like a ridiculous thing to say but I did say it um and she's like yeah right uh and that was even before I started modeling you know oh, yeah, so, yeah yeah Isn't yeah but amazing? sure enough power of the universe I, is that I manifestation know. is that where we were at is it well I said I was going to marry Bono from you two and that didn't happen <laughs> never seen <never> ever <laughs> Maybe it's not too late. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, he's still married. So he's still married. I'm married. No, I'm married too. And, um, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happily married. Yeah, okay. It didn't work for me, I'm saying. Remember an early episode when we talked about the hall pass and you didn't know what it was? It was he, Bono. He could be where your hall pass Bono. Yeah, there you go. Okay, there so what go. happened for you, Ali? So I'm very happy for you. Yes, yeah. it did. And, it, and that did actually, that was one of the, you know, that was one of the doors that, modeling certainly gave me because yeah. I was on a I did a his pants for her ad oh, I remember and, those um, ads yeah yep yep and uh, he had seen it and he happened and then he was in a dolly magazine shoot with my friend Carlotta who was the fashion editor at the time and happened to mention oh my god that's Alison Bray I love her his pants for her thing she knew I already had a crush on him She's oh. on the phone. She's orchestrated Cameron it. Cameron Dado was just in here. She totally orchestrated it. Great. And she said, I said, can you invite him to a party that my friend was throwing at this nightclub? So it all lined, all the stars lined up. 
And yeah, it was it was literally locked Love eyes, engaged Boom. within two and a half months. Yes, oh, that is madness, yeah. isn't it? It's crazy, it's, isn't it? It is. It is madness. It is actually, yeah. that was nuts. <laughs> Love yeah. story. And how yeah. old were you at the yeah. time? Oh, when I met him, I was twenty. <gasps> yeah, twenty, and he was twenty-five. Wow, Ali, in That's the book, young. and you don't have to share this with us. <laughs> Some things are allowed to be private and between the two of you, but because I'm just, you know, I pick up on these little things in between the lines. In the book you t- you mentioned that Cam has such a great memory long-term. So short-term's not so good sometimes, but long-term is yes, incredible. yeah. And he still remembers to this day, which you sometimes don't adore that about him, <laughs> what you said when he first turned up. And you have a giggle about yes. it. You didn't mention that. Yes. You can keep that to yourselves. But if you want to share it, feel free. <laughs> I was putting Ellie on the spot. <laughs> I've given her an out. I've given her an out. She has. She has. And I'm going to plead the fifth on that. Yes. And I'm going to take my out. <laughs> Good girl. And not tell you. <laughs> well, I just, you've shared so much. I think that yeah. that's fair enough. You've got to have some things for the two of you. Good yeah. on you for asking though, Trish. Hats off yeah. to you for No that. offense See, taking you asking. Yeah. It's a fair question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Trish is far more brave than I am at things like that, Ali. So tell us, so after you got married, so what was the the, the time between when you met Cam and you got married? Yeah. So you were engaged within a couple of months and then you yep, got married. Yep. And then it was a year later, so at least we gave ourselves a year engagement. Okay, nice. Um, Very sensible. Very (laughs) sensible. Look at us go. So I had just turned 22. Well, you would have have known then, like, I mean, really at 22. You knew everything. Yeah. Well, we've oh, got this. Oh, you at all. I've got you this. At all. I know Absolutely. exactly what I'm doing. So you did um you did move to America and, and so you you move away from your your career at that stage, your family, your support network, and often as women we do put ourselves on the back burner in order to focus mm. on others. So how did you feel about that at the time, like with your move to the States? Like how did you transition? Oh, that was the worst transition. I didn't want to go. I was absolutely devastated to leave Australia. Um, yeah, I had a career. I had all my family. I love Australia. I was just so happy with my life. But this was, you know, this is the, the curse of marrying an actor, yeah. uh, you know, and he wanted, he had bigger, bigger, bigger dreams and had always, always wanted to try Los Angeles. He was like, well, look, I've got the opportunity now. I've got an agent that wants me to come over now. And we'd been married eight months. Mm. And so he said, let's give it a go for three years. So 25 years later, (laughs) we were still there. But, you know, you you start to fall in love with the country and you meet, you know, you meet lovely people. And But we never thought it would be any longer than three years. And I traveled a lot back and forth, though, that first sort of first year or two, I was still doing the Portman's contract. Oh, yes. yep. So I was, yeah, I was flying back and forth for that a lot. And, but that was, that became tricky and exhausting. And, mm. and I was never quite settling in America, in LA. I just, I was always like, you know, three quarters of my heart was still in, yeah. in Sydney. So mm. I just went, you know what, I think I just need to settle here and just it relax. Ta- it takes a long time though, doesn't it? To, to lay down your, the, really the roots of a, of a new place mm. of residence. So it takes a long time to establish friendships. It's not something yep. that just falls in your lap. And to yep, make absolutely. genuine friends 
I also think that when you're there and in your mind, in your subconscious, you're going, I'm only here for a short time. Yeah. So three years. Don't really Mm. fully lean in. Mm. And Mm. I, Ali, I, after I got married, I grew up on the coast and then lived in different cities in Australia and then moved out to a farm an hour west of Brisbane. And, you know, I had the conversation with my husband. He's like, yeah, we'll probably be here five or ten years-ish. It's now 22 years. But same with you. It was kind of like I had this subconscious thing going, well, I'm not going to really be here for that long. But had I have realised that you might have actually worked harder to immerse yourself in the community. So I think that that, that's Mm. such a relevant thing that you just don't know how long you're going to be here for. And if your heart's yeah, in absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we got we got a dog and that was the first sort of thing that really rooted us okay. to the ground yes. of, of America. We were like, we've got a dog now. This is yeah. this is like an extra family member. So yeah, that was the beginning of of the LA LA roots for sure. And then of course a, a you know, a baby comes along and mm. then you're really starting to sow your roots. So absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um when you were in America you and Cam did separate for a while and being the hopeless romantic I am mm. and I love your love story so much that you did find your way back to each other. How did how did you navigate your way back? All through therapy. Yeah. Really all through therapy. And we never fell out of love. Yeah. We never, ever fell out of love with each other. It was just, it was so much pressure on our relationship to do what we did and how fast we did it and and so young um, and so young and so yeah. naive oh yeah and yeah so it was really all it was all through therapy we just had a had a great therapist that saw us singularly and then as a eventually then as a couple yeah that just that just saved our our marriage and and then and set us off on our own path of healing other things yeah. as well. I mean, this is the same therapist that I shared my rape with for the first time and, mm. you know, so very instrumental. And mm. isn't that amazing out of such a difficult time that so many other areas of your life were healed as well? It's kind of the it, hurt it was, that has to happen for it to get better. Absolutely, absolutely, and it just it it it's like our relationship started all over again, and from yeah, a yeah. much healthier, grounded, understanding, more mature place of what we brought into the into the marriage, and it was like, oh right, and it's we still to this day draw on our our therapy sessions going, okay, we know we're we're losing track here. Let's, let's talk about this. You know, you go first, I'm listening to you. I hear you, you know, all that language, that beautiful love language we learn, we still use today. So it really, really evolved us as a couple. And Mm. I absolutely love that people today, you included, are saying we had trouble, we went to therapy. Generations before us, we just sweep it all under the carpet, pretend yeah. that everything's okay. But it's we're all going, sometimes we need therapy. Yeah. yeah. And I love that yeah. thought of going to therapy even when you don't think you need it. It's healthy. It, yeah. yeah, because it gets you ready for when you do need it. Absolutely. I love a good therapy session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so adult. She's a fan. She's yeah. a fan. And look, I, we've spoken to couples you know, on, on the separate separate bathrooms podcast that it, that have I just like yeah we see therapist we see a therapist once a month. There's nothing wrong, but uh, we just want to make sure we we just stay on track yeah, and getting the best out of and life. And it's just like 
Yeah, it's like going to the gym, going for a, che- a dental checkup. It's like As it should be. Yeah. I think that's really smart. Yeah, yeah you know? I do we too. put so much time into other things, you know, and sometimes yeah. we forget that our yeah. relationship needs just as much work. Correct. Well, Possibly it's the most important thing because if that relationship isn't right, your relationships aren't right, it goes into so many other areas of your life. It does. Mm. It does. I always feel really stressed when I'm fighting with yeah. Cam. I hate it. Yeah. I just hate yeah. it. So, it's, yeah. not, it's not a good place, is it? No. It doesn't make you feel good yeah. at all. No. And, yeah, my head gets yeah. very busy. There's a yeah. lot of conversations <laughs> going on in my head at that point yeah. in time. Yeah. 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 Of planned conversations of what I should have said <laughs> or what I could have said or what I'll say next or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Ali, you've had your own journey with pregnancy and motherhood. You've also worked with other expecting parents being there for their baby's births. Mm-hmm. You worked as a teacher. Was it difficult transition from being a well-known model into more of a normal existence and mainstream life? What What do you love most about those new roles? Oh, my gosh. There was absolutely no difficulty in transitioning into that. Like you were ready. Not, mm-hmm. not a second. I was so ready. Sounds like I it was, was a blessing. I was so excited. <laughs> it was. Mm. I just never, never looked back. And, you know, I've wanted to be a, a mum since I was the age of five. And I've wanted to be a preschool teacher for as long as I can remember. I didn't want I didn't want anything else. I didn't want any other career than than being a mum and a preschool teacher. So, and I've always just had this mad, mad passion for children, mm. babies, children, pregnancy. Like it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a past life experience. Yeah, I don't possibly. know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Very nurturing but, soul. Uh, it's just I just came in with just this deep love of, of babies and children, and and that will never no, that will never change. I will always be. I teach today. I'm still a teacher, and so yeah, I just had the most amazing, amazing honor of of being a birth assistant in Los Angeles and, you know, preparing couples for the birth of their baby and then doing work with them post, post-pregnancy as well. I became a massage therapist, but of course it was a massage therapist for pregnant women and babies. Like everything was like, <laughs> yeah. everything connected to that. Theme? So, is there an ongoing theme not going theme here? There's a little bit of a theme. Yeah. So yeah, look, I've just, I've loved it. I've loved every, every moment of, of that and, and then getting to Finally, it wasn't until I started, I didn't start teaching, gosh, till I was in my 40s. So it took me a while to get there, but it was just the most momentous, exciting occasion to actually step into the role of teacher for me with of little, little ones. It was just gorgeous. I just think it's really good when you really have a true sense of self and you know who you are and you're just honouring that. So for mm, you, it's yeah. that, you know, that sort of like that love of babies and, nurturing, you know, nurturing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Making so a difference you, in a child's life. Yeah, but also even just the birthing and those sorts of things. So if that's what you're into, then I think it's great. Like you just know yourself. That you started teaching in mm. your 40s. Like women are still transitioning oh, well, later. <laughs> oh, like me. And yeah. I started at 50. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's madness. But that was high school. Ali, that was scary. That was the dark side. <laughs> I would recommend that one. <laughs> that was scary as. Anyway, yeah. go there. <laughs> but it's 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 so true. I just think that that's one thing, you know, from speaking to so many women now about menopause and just their their, their lives 
as they are today, there's just, there's so many more opportunities to give yourself. Like it's, yeah. you're not stuck. No. Just no, try no. it. Like we can see what else you want to do. Yeah. Start new things. Yeah. yeah. Go learn, go back to school, learn, learn a new occupation if you want to at the age of 50. Why not? Oh, You've got 100%. many years ahead of you. Yeah. No, we're yeah. all for that on this podcast. Yeah. We're huge believers in that and not limiting ourselves by our age. We just don't Absolutely. believe in that at all. Mm. I'll never, ever. Absolutely. Never agree with that. Ali, being female, and we've talked about this and touched yes, on Ali it. Yes, Ali is female. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I mentioned before, I'm very observant. <laughs> you are. You're amazing, Tish. Yeah, you're amazing. Know, you're incredible. She is. She's so incredible. It has been said. It has been said. <laughs> And I guess it shouldn't be a surprise because we are so hard on ourselves. But when I read that you feel uncomfortable or have felt uncomfortable in the past when people have recognised you because you felt like you Mm. may have disappointed them, I just thought, wow, because we all see this Mm. just Mm. such a beautiful woman. You were beautiful when you were young. I look at you now and just think what a beautifully gracious ageing, gorgeous woman, but yet you still can feel that way at times. Yeah. And that was one of the the leftover symptoms of of modelling, you know, that like how will I be viewed? You know, I'm going to be disappointing, you know, hundreds and thousands of women who still want me to look like the dolly cover girl and I I don't, you know. I've got my nana flaps and my muffin top and People oh, are going to be like, wow. you <laughs> <laughs> I love you even, even so, more that you have that. <laughs> even so. Hey, we love a muffin top. <laughs> Don't give a 50 podcast. <laughs> look, what are you going to do? You got yeah. one, you got one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was actually my one of my girlfriends here, who I one of my newer friends, who's just so lovely. And she's really highly intelligent. She's an ex-lawyer, very cerebral. And I would sort of say those things to her. And she was just was like, what are you talking Talking about. Mm. She's like, no one's looking at you that way. They're just remembering you from a really wonderful time back then when, you know, when, when it, a more innocent, sweet, lovely time, you know, it, that no one's comparing you, only you're doing that. Yes. And when she said that, I was like, oh, you're right, actually. Yes. And it really shifted my view and it made me so appreciative of not only my Dolly days, but everyone who now comes up to me and says, I loved you in Dolly. I just yes. love that now. And I, yes. I was before awesome. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry I don't look the same. You know, it was ridiculous. But Ali, but, we've all yeah, aged no, and okay. I, I think sometimes we forget that, don't we, that it's not you that's just aged but all of us, our whole generation, we've all aged. Yeah. And I think but that's right. But maybe for you because you were in the spotlight at that time, you've, you know, you've internalised this pressure that, you know, we all need you to look the same but we're yeah, all aged yeah. as well so we don't look like what we do. <laughs> you know, no, and, and we, we need to forget that expectation, Yeah, you know, like yeah. just thrive. Yeah, thrive totally. as you. And, and I think it's always framing it as that privilege. You know, some people would love to age. To age and look like And us some and people, yeah, are, yeah. Rob, are robbed of that, that privilege. So, yeah, yeah let's, that's right. let's just keep that's rocking so it. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. That's so important to remember that because it's just like knowing that I'm, I'm lucky enough to make it to 52. You know, I'm seeing my children grow older and, yeah, yeah there's a lot of mums that didn't Absolutely. get that opportunity. So, yeah, correct. Yeah. Ali, your book, 
Queen Menopause, Finding Your Majesty in the Mayhem. Loving the title. Loving it. <laughs> oh, good. It's great. The Majesty so, in the Mayhem. Yeah, it is so that. Mm. <laughs> Congratulations. Applaud you on sharing your journey. Why did you decide to share it? Why did you write the book and also so incredibly openly and honestly? I felt, I just felt so compelled once I was in the depth of my sort of symptoms and when I looked around and and realized I'd I you know I had a bunch of girlfriends who were older than me and who'd never said a word and as I said I'm one of three sisters I'm the youngest they never said a word my mum never said a word I wasn't reading about it I wasn't hearing other celebrities talk about it and I just was like hold on like this is nuts this is a yes it's an it's a natural aspect of life but it can have some real challenges and no one is avoiding it if you are a woman it's not a disease it's a natural part of your life like puberty so why is it kept so quiet yeah so I was like okay I'm just gonna write about it and I really wanted to just write as raw and as honest as I could, because I know for me, when I read stories that are like that, I I feel less alone. I feel like I'm relating. I feel like, Mm. oh, thank God I feel normal now. That person felt like that. Thank God. I just thought it was me. Yep. And that's the way I felt so much of my, of my perimenopause and through that time that I just thought, I felt really alone in it. I felt really desperately alone. And I thought this is a terrible way to live. This can't be all it is. This can't be why we have menopause. Like there has to be a bigger, better reason than just all these awful symptoms. So that's what I wanted to explore. Is that why you also decided to include entries from your own journal in the book, just so to try and to allow that space for other women to connect to your experience so they can be reading it going, yes, yes, I understand, that's me as well. Is that why you included journal entries? Because they're very yeah, personal, yeah, obviously. Yeah, and and it really is the most, and they are actual, like people have said. actually, oh, my, did you write them my after? Husband, <laughs> yeah, the, my cam's like, are they really your entries? And I said mm. they are word for word, my mm. entries. And I feel like that's when I'm most honest with myself is in my journal. So I thought when I looked back on those journal entries, I was like, these have to go in because this is the absolute 100% truth of how Mm. I feel. And Mm. the amount of women that have said that journal entry could have been mine is that's the most common thing I get. I get said to me, I felt like you were writing from my journal. So So mm, true. I Mm. I know we're all relating, you know, in so many ways with it, with it all. Yeah. Mm. It really is a time that of unraveling. And I think that there's an element of fear in it that is, Am I now feeling like this forever? Mm, yes. Is this the new me? Is, is yeah. there something wrong with me? Is this the new me? But it's so good to actually name it and go, no, it's not you. This is yeah. what's happening to you. There's, yeah. It and the cruel, it's the cruel thing is it's that it phase, is natural, yeah. as you, you were saying. Yeah. It's like this is, this is nature, like slamming yeah. us in the face oh, with I all know. this stuff. It's, yeah. Thanks a lot. What about the timing though? It's so like a lot of people will have teenage daughters. 
going Man, through it. When we're you. going through it, it's like the it's perfect like, storm. It's the perfect storm. I yes. know. Mm. I know. Imagine living in that house with, with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ali, what I love as well about the book is that it's not just a story of somebody going through menopause. There's suggestions on different treatments, different modalities and there's also you're sharing stories of other amazing women have shared their private stories that are in the book as well. When you approached these women and asked for their stories, was there any hesitation or are we all in the same headspace of let's get it out there? They were also willing and able and yeah. ready to share the story. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. Um, you know, Rhonda Birchmore, she was worried because her story is so, um, she barely had any symptoms, like barely. And she's like, I don't know, you know, I don't have anything horrible to say. And I'm like, that's the point. Yes. Your, mm. your story is incredibly important because I want women to know that it, you might not get any symptoms at all, like, yeah. like Rhonda. You know, your yeah. period might just stop. There's apparently 25% of women have that experience. So you need to know that that's a possibility too. So, yes. and, you know, Georgie with her HRT story, which is really important because it's been so good for her and it's such, it's still the gold standard for, to, you know, ease menopause symptoms. And Sally Obermeter, you know, she went into medically induced um, menopause because of her cancer treatment. Oh, so, yeah. Yep. I, yeah, I wanted a varied, you know, array of how many different ways menopause can uh, appear so yeah they were all so great and it was good that you had different ages as well yeah you know like people who've trans through transitioned yeah yeah yeah, in different eras yeah yeah Yeah. um it always fascinates mel and i how other cultures revere aging women with such admiration and respect but yet Mm. the western world don't seem to have the same view nor have they ever seemed to have the same view I did have a giggle when you went through some of the treatment options that were available Mm. back in the uh, (laughs) 1800s yeah you mentioned in the book some of them and they were literally horrific Uh, would you mind sharing some of those with us and do you feel that these treatments are kind of like an indication from the western world that they just didn't get it (laughs) Well, this is where, I mean, when I was reading about like the history of it, this is where we've, why women, I think, are partly so embarrassed to talk about it because back in the 1800s, it was treated as a disease. You know, it was treated as something to fix, something to cure, like something was really wrong with you. And, you know, women were institutionalized for their their moods you know um you know the clitoris was removed that was one of the things that they thought would would cure menopause um i think it was the wasn't it the juice of guinea pigs ovaries was um something i mean it was just unbelievable some things were nice some things was like orgasm was like great um yeah. golf was one of them which was just golf. Golf. <laughs> golf was gonna cure your menopause I was like nice. oh really yeah okay <laughs> I think so <laughs> um yeah electric shock syndrome oh, yeah. um yeah. yeah potions and potions galore that they tried on these poor women poor women back then that mm. 
you know, just so, yeah, I think that all of that just goes towards us feeling like it's something that we should be ashamed of somehow or another, but yeah, yeah. so incorrect. What, um, what's your biggest learning from your own transition through perimenopause and menopause? Is that my lack of how, my lack of self-care leading up to it um, okay. and how long I had been putting myself at the bottom. I, I say the bottom of the list. I don't even think I was on the list. Um, <laughs> I, I just, and, and it had been a, a lifelong thing for me. I'd been the nice girl. I'd been the people pleaser. I'd been the bottom of the list girl and, and mother and wife. And yeah, so that was just such a huge, and and, and it's, it was crazy in the sense, because all your, you know, all for so many years, I was told by my girlfriends and by the media, you know, you read all about self-care, self-care, self-care. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then when it sort of hit, when something as big as, for me, menopause hit, I was like, oh, crap. Like, now I get it. Now yeah. I see where I have yep. really not taken care of myself. And in all levels, you know, not just the physical, but the emotional, the spiritual, like you name it, there was things that were just massive gaps in my self-care so that's been the biggest learning so what would you have gone back and changed if you could oh with your self-care yeah look I would have physically I would have had my body moving much more I would have set aside time to really um go go just even little things like go have a checkup with the doctor go to your gynecologist go and just you know have that that fall that twisted your pelvis like actually go and have it fixed Mm -hmm. not just live with the pain like I did all those sorts of stupid stuff yeah you know just like oh it'll be fine it'll write itself you know no Mm. go and spend the time the money and make sure you are healthy. So it's you know, prioritizing. Go and have the weekend. Yeah. Mm. Go and have a weekend away. Go and shut the door and just give yourself a couple of hours of, of time to just relax with your book and your cup of tea. Like all those, the little things, but they just refresh you. And I just wasn't doing any of that. So, yeah. 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 Ali, is there a light for us all at the end of this menopause tunnel like how are you feeling now where are you are you through it now are you I am yeah and, and is there truth in the after the hormones have settled again or if they've disappeared or whatever they do where do <laughs> they go where do they go yeah um yeah how are you feeling now you're on the other side of it yes so I'm definitely postmenopausal and I can safely say it is so much better. I mean, I get, gosh, I might get a hot, a hot flush maybe once a week, maybe something mm. like that. And of course, now that I'm doing so much more care of myself, I'm, I go do my physio Pilates with a physio instructor. I've upped all my vitamins and minerals. I've had all my blood work done. So I know where I need more assistance in here or more assistance in there. My sleep is getting so much better. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, look, yeah, all the anxiety levels have come down. It's so much, it just my headspace is so much better. I feel like I'm more creative now than I've ever been. So, yeah, I just feel so much more at peace and I do really, and it, and it is a cliche, but and whether or not I kind of um, took it on because I was listening so much to other women talk about how fabulous it was, but uh, <laughs> I think it is, you know, at the end of the day, of course, it is a ch- choice, you know, you, you choose it, but I do feel 
more comfortable in my body now than I ever remember feeling comfortable. And I'm, I'm bigger than I ever have been. You know, I've got more cellulite than I ever have been, ever had, but I just don't care. Yeah. I just, it's like, oh my God, I really it's, don't care. Yeah. I just feel so much more comfortable yeah. now. It's nothing to do with how I look. That's a freeing um, state. Isn't it? It's, it's liberating. So it's it's a beautiful feeling when you when you can just yeah. say I don't care about that yep. anymore. Yep, yep. It's it's who I what I have to say, what I think, what I feel. How yeah. people want to know me is is not for how I look anyway anymore as well. So that that's such a yeah, as you say, it's such a freedom. Sounds so empowering. Like you just seem like <clears throat> you've got such a strong sense of self. Which wonderful. do you think you could have written the book like in the throes? Of your symptoms, or did you I start did. the book that, in yeah, the throes? I, I mean, obviously, you journal. In, yeah, no, it was all in the throes of it, mm. and I think that that was the best way to write it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I could write in real time mm-hmm. what I was feeling. I mean, it helped me, I think, because I was also researching what helps menopause yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. talking to other women about it. So that helped me with my own. But, yeah, that's that was I was very – I think I really needed to write it in the throes of it. Mm. I guess it's really quite therapeutic, like it actually helped you make sense of it and gather yeah. the information that everyone's – this is mm. – you know, I'm not going crazy. Yes. This is happening yeah. to many mm. people and has done yeah. forever. Yeah. And it and it Amazing. helps me now too when women say to me, um, I felt I feel exactly the same way. I felt yeah. exactly the same way. And I, I it helps me again just going, Okay, right, yep, yeah, I wasn't nuts at the time. It was yeah. just <laughs> the menopause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah, isn't but you it? do second guess yourself at times, though. Like the it's, thing is it's a that tough it stage. Just creeps up, and oh, because yeah. there's no line yeah. in the sand of when Perry starts, yes. and you go in, you go out, yes. and back and mm, forth. Yeah. So there's no kind of okay, I am here. Yeah, you know, unless yeah. your bloods are really strong, then yeah. you know, on that particular day, that that test is done. Correct. You just don't yeah. know. Correct. So you, yeah, and we're you, also you, different as well. So yeah. every woman experiences these symptoms differently. And as you were saying, like Rhonda Birchmore, she didn't have symptoms. We have yeah. girlfriends that, you know, in our friendship group that are just, they've sailed through. Yeah. They just don't yeah. have symptoms mm. and it runs in their family. Their sisters didn't have symptoms. Right. So oh, I didn't realise though you were saying before that 25% of women, is that right, don't have symptoms? That's what yeah. that's what I have read. There's yeah. a lady in America called Jen Gunter who wrote the Man- the Menopause Manifesto. She's fabulous, oh, yeah. and she said around twenty five percent of women don't really have symptoms. Okay, so well, lucky it's them. A bit more common than you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have said it was probably about five percent. I just thought we were mm. all like pretty much we all got. I just knew that there were varying degrees of symptoms right, and, yeah. and you know effects yeah. on women, yeah. but. I thought it was more common than not, but still, seventy-five percent of us, right? Yeah, that's a lot of us. That's a, that's, that's enough. That's of a lot. Us. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think my symptoms sit largely on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, we are unfortunately running short of time, and we would like to ask you our the wrap-up question that we ask all our guests, and that is that yep. if you could go back in time, what advice would the fifty-ish Ali give to the twenty-ish Ali if you had that opportunity? Yeah, look. It's, I mean, it's going to be the same theme, of course, which is, gosh, just take care of yourself, ground yourself in something, make sure that you're thinking about and asking yourself, what do I want and what do I need? 
and acting on those things rather than thinking about what does he need or what does she need, you know, turning it inwards and just being able to go. And it doesn't make you selfish, which is what I believed, you know, that, you know, you're selfish yeah. if you do that because there's room for everyone, you know, there's room to, to also be what does he need, but what do I need, you know, what do I need first and then let me see how I can I can help others, you know, once once my plate is full. So I'd really want, you know, I'd love for my kids to take that advice as well. My son's pretty good with it, but my my daughter's not so much, which is a bit societal, unfortunately, and, mm. and an example of their mother. But yeah, I think it would be that. I think it's sad when you for us that when you are prioritizing yourself that you can tell yourself that you're being selfish. Isn't yeah. that sad? And I think yeah. it's symptomatic. I think women do that. I think yeah. we – it's symptomatic I, I of our I gender. Yeah, I think it's very much a woman thing. You know, I'm sure guys do it sometimes, but I think it's I think it's embedded in women that we yeah. women agree. to sacrifice this, especially as mums. And then you've got oh, yeah. but then if you're a working mum and uh, just all that stuff yeah, that, that we're mm, that's pushed yeah. pushed on us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ali, for generously sharing your time with us today. That was um that was a really great chat, and uh, we wish you so all good. the best for your book. And your book is thank just. You. So good and so generous. And we will put links to you are Ali's book. a national treasure. <laughs> Ali there you Ali go. Bray, Dado, you are a national treasure and you are lovely. You're as lovely Aww. now as you were when you were yeah. a model. So yeah. we'll put links you to your so book much. in our show notes as well. So yeah, Amazing. our 50ish tribe can access your book that way. So And Ali, we mm. must say we loved Cam's new movie with oh, How to yes. Please a Woman. That was fabulous. <gasps> So I fun. saw you did a podcast on that, yes. didn't you? We spoke to Ray Webster. It's wonderful. So Loved oh him in it. His gosh. character was important. You know, important. He, he, yeah. It was re- <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was the no, dick, was. but important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, because it showed where, you know, where they were at, where she was at. Yeah. You know, it was um he had some really powerful scenes. Yes, he did. I yeah. I think yeah. it was just, yeah. you know, it was the the uh, the money in the envelope, you know, for the birthday just pushed across the oh, kitchen. Oh, that really bench. triggered yeah. you. That didn't really it? triggered me. <laughs> really yeah. triggered. Oh, that, but that really was, affected me. He was the me. catalyst. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was. He was the catalyst. Yeah. I loved that movie so much for so many reasons, like I'm sure you explored, but what that meant mm. for women and women our age and just just seeing women take back their sexuality and like, oh, yeah, yes. people, I just loved it. And just yep, seeing yep. the women naked in the background that oh, were just all yes. shapes and sizes. I loved yeah. that. We ah, talked yeah. to her about that and they just, they yeah. float, they drifted in and out of the, yeah. the background, you know, of those particular yep. scenes. It was just, it was beautifully Brilliant. done. Loved it. Really was. Yeah. Yep. And he was yeah, great. More like was, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he was, <laughs> it was a really good role. Ali, mm. yeah. I was going to ask you what's next for you, but. You know, we've run out of time. <laughs> yeah. Tell us anyway. Tell us anyway. <laughs> I I don't know, actually. I'm so happy with my job right now, so I'm going to yeah, stay gorgeous. there teaching. Look, I'd love to keep Life's writing. I'm, I've actually got a screenplay that I'm working on, though, I have to say, that I've pulled out again. I've been working on it for a while. So 
I don't know. We'll what, see. Well, that's we'll see. that's our creativity. Excited. Yes. You know, you were mentioning yes. before that you are feeling more Definitely. creative now so you can channel some Definitely. of your energies into that while still yep. nurturing the little ones, which we know is part of you. Yes. Don't forget you can follow us on Instagram at don'tgive a 50 or email us <laughs> at hello at don'tgiveafifty.com.au. And remember our gorgeous 50 issues. life is for living. Don't give a 50 because we're all 50 and awesome regardless of age and living and ageing is an absolute privilege. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.